Welcome to Rather Drew here from Bits and Pieces. I'm back with an episode of The Talk Through. It has been far too long and I did mean to do more of these. Anyway, today we're going to be playing through The Citadel of Chaos, which is Steve Jackson's fantasy fighting game book number two. Uh, so, so, just to summarise, we know one of each of the starting spells. We have 14 magic, 10 skill, 24 stamina, the most stamina, that's pretty good, and 11 luck. And currently we have a sword and some leather armour. I believe that's it, unless I've missed something. The lawful good folk of the Vale of Willow have lived for some eight years in awe and fear of the ter- of the determined sorcerer Balthus Dyer. What a name. In awe, since his power is truly awesome, and in fear ever since word leaked from his domain that his ambitious plans of conquest were to commence within the Vale itself. A faithful half-elf sent on a spying mission to the Black Tower came galloping back to the Vale three days ago with a frantic warning. From within the caverns of Kragen Rock, Balthus Dyer had recruited an army of Chaotics and was preparing them to attack the Vale within the week. The good king Salomon, not Solomon, Salomon, so, yeah, was a man of action. Messengers were sent throughout the Vale that day to prepare defences and summon the menfolk to action. Riders have also been sent to the Great Forest of Yore to warn the half-elves that lived there and to make an appeal for allied forces. King Salomon was also a wise man. He knew well that the news would inevitably reach Grand Wizard of Yore, a white sorcerer of great power, who lived deep within the forest. The wizard was old and would not last through a battle of this magnitude, but he schooled a number of young magicians, perhaps one of his students in the magic arts, with courage and ambition would aid the king and his subjects. You, me, you, us, are the star pupil of the Grand Wizard of Yore. He has been a difficult master, but your own impatience has often got the best. Perhaps a little too strong-headed, you left immediately for Salomon's court. The king welcomed you enthusiastically and explained his plan. The battle could be avoided without bloodshed if Balthus were to be assassinated before his army could be amassed. Your mission ahead of you is extremely perilous. Balthus dies surrounded in his citadel by a magnitude of appalling creatures. Although magic is your strongest weapon, there'll be times when you must rely on your sword to survive. King Salomon has briefed you on your mission and warned you of the dangers that lie ahead. One way through the citadel is the best for you to take. If you discover it, you'll be successful with the minimum personal risk. It may take you several trips to find the easiest way through. We're only playing this once, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> If anybody listened to the last one, you know that, yeah. You leave the Vale of Willow on a long hike to the Black Tower. At the foot of the hill of Crag and Rock, you can see its outline against the dark sky. You hear muffled grunts as you approach, and two misshapen creatures step forward. The sun sets as twilight turns to darkness. You start your climb up the hill towards the forbidden shape, silhouetting against the night sky. The citadel is less than an hour's climb. Some distance from its walls, you stop to rest, a mistake, as it seems a fearful spectre from which there is no escape. The hairs on your neck prickle as you look towards it, but you are ashamed of your fears. With grim resolve, you march onwards towards the main gate, where you know guards will be waiting for you. You consider your options. You've already thought about claiming to be, the, to be a herbalist. Come to treat a guard with a fever. You could pose as a trader or an artisan, perhaps a carpenter. You could be a nomad seeking shelter for the night. As you consider the possibilities and the yarns you will have to spin to the guards, you reach the main trail leading to the gates. Two lanterns burn on either side of a portcullis. You hear muffled grunting as you approach, 
and two misshapen creatures step forward. On the left stands an ugly creature with the head of a dog and a great body of an ape, flexing its powerful arms. Its opposite number is indeed its opposite, with the head of an ape and the body of a large dog. The latter guard approaches you on all fours. It stops some metres ahead in front of you, raises itself in its hind legs to address you. What story will you adopt? Will you pose to be a herbalist, claim to be a tradesman, or shall we ask for shelter for the night? I think maybe we should be a herbalist. Let's herb it up, boys and girls. Let's herb it up. 261. The ape dog asks to see your herbs. Luckily, you've grabbed a few handfuls of weeds on your way up to show them. Cocking its head to one side, the creature eyes you suspiciously and asks you for the name of the guard you've come to treat. Something you hadn't planned on. You quickly think of a name to bluff. Do we go with Kiltrog, Pincus, or Blag? I'm really tempted to go with Blag because that is so perfect. I'm blagging my way in to see a creature called Blag. Let's go Blag. 394. The creatures look at each other as if the name sounds familiar, but they can't quite place it. You quickly add that he's on the first floor watch. They shrug and eventually decide you may be telling the truth. The ape dog summons the gatekeeper who eventually appears to let you in. You walk forward into a spacious open courtyard surrounded by large walls. Various lights are burning and groups of figures are shuffling around the darkness. In the centre of the courtyard is a large monument of some kind, perhaps a fountain. Looking across the yard, you can see what appears to be the main entrance to the tower. Will you creep around the walls towards the tower? Stride boldly across the courtyard or tiptoe through the shadows towards one of the groups. I mean, should we stick with the whole we're here because we're a herbalist routine? The problem with that is there's no one there to back us up. It looks like we've just broken in if they think anything otherwise. Maybe we could tiptoe through the shadows. At least then, you know, we could observe. Let's tiptoe shadows. Three, two, one. Cautiously, keeping well out of sight, you creep through the darkness around the edge of the courtyard. There are two groups of creatures in front of you. To the right, you can see us two human-like creatures talking under a torch fastened to the wall. To the left, a group of four creatures of varying sizes and shapes are sitting around a fire eating. Will you approach the two by the torch or approach the group by the fire? They're eating. Are they eating people? That is the important question here. Because if they're eating people, probably don't want to go and talk to them. There we go. Although the human-like figures are often... It's often a trick. May we go talk to people eating? Let's go talk to the eaters. A motley crew sit around the fire. A warty-faced orc is handing out scrags of chunky half-cooked meat to the others. A snarling dwarf with green skin is complaining about the size of his piece, while two scruffy goblins, a man and a woman, are cuddling each other. They giggle and laugh, and every so often she slaps his ugly face, causing more merriment. As you approach, they stop and turn round to look at you, with unwelcoming faces. They sneer at your neat appearance, and the female goblin whispers some comment to her mate. In front of the dwarf, you can see an open box. You can just make out a vial of liquid within. Sit down with them around the fire. Ask whether you may join them. I think we'd be bold. These are the sort of things, you know, we'd be bold. We don't need to go, please may I. We just do and we show. Be bold. They're taken aback by your audacity. Okay. Rather than waiting for them to talk, you act aggressively and demand to know how to get into the citadel. I mean, that's really not what I was going for, but okay. They point to the main entrance, obviously a little bewildered by your confident manner, and whisper amongst themselves. The orc tells you that you will need the password, Shimitar, to get in. You ask about the vial of liquid in the box, whereupon they become agitated. Will you press them for information about the vial, leave them and head for the two men, 
or press onwards to the Black Tower. I think we go, you know what, we've, we've put them on the back foot here already. I mean, we can get some info about what that vial is. The creatures become suspicious as you press them for information. The door springs to his feet, branching a wooden club, while the goblin and the orc grab swords and glare at you. The goblin's mistress shrieks and steps back a few places, and the others advance towards you. You have to fight them. You may use a magic spell. Maybe we use the illusion spell. Maybe we illusify them. We can pinch the thing. Let's illusify. So that uses up illusion. Illusion is gone. You concentrate and begin to tell yourself you're a giant scorpion. The dwarf and the goblin stop in their tracks, but the orc behaves as if nothing has happened. The other two see you sting the orc with your tail, but the orc does not flinch and calls the other two on. Seeing that you've done no damage, they shake their heads and look again to see the real you. The orc tries to grab you. Oh no! Turn to 213. That did not go well. You draw your sword just in time as the dwarf is the f- almost upon you. You fight each in turn. So, f- I'm going to fight the dwarf first. Uh, which is a skill of 5 and a stamina of 6. So I've got a roll for them and then for me. And then if I have a higher skill. So, they have 7. I have 10. They take 2 damage. That's the dwarf down to 4. Do it again. And the dwarf is down again to 2. And then again... And the dwarf is again. The dwarf is dead. Cool. Uh, so the goblin. That was that was relatively straightforward. Goblin. Goblin is also down to two. Taking some damage. And the goblin has nine plus six, which is fifteen plus. Uh, I take two damage. Crumbs. I'm on twenty-two. Uh, and then the. the the god of the blin is dead. And now for the orc, which has quite a lot of stamina at 7. Uh, and skill of 5, so 15 for the orc, and again 14 for me. So I'll take another 2 damage, and 20. I need a better way of tracking my stamina. It's out of space. I should use a pencil, maybe. Uh, let's go again. Um, the orc takes 2 damage, so it's on 5. I think, actually, maybe we, how do we use our luck? Do I lose it beforehand or after? Or we use it after? I've forgotten. Okay, yeah, let's let's test my luck. So um, we've got a luck of 11, so we roll two and we get, if we get under it, then we're fine. Yeah, cool. So just extra one, just hopefully negate an extra round of combat. With the orc. Uh, orc takes two damage, and the orc takes two damage, so they're all dead. I mean, I took four damage and I lost luck, so I'm on 10 luck. Okay. So if you win, turn to two, three, five. We could have escaped, but I feel like you know what? Well, let's just let's just have them. I'm on that. Uh, on that. That vial. See, that's interesting. Clearly, interesting enough to attack me over. Afraid that the commotion may have attracted attention, you peer out into the darkness. Nothing seems to be happening. Going through the pockets of the creatures, you find eight gold pieces. Cool. Uh, a copper-coloured key. Copper key. A, a jar of dark, creamy ointment. You may take two of these with you. Turn in the vial of liquid, you can make out an inscription on the lid written in runes. Your heart leaps as you realise this is a potion of magic, and very rare. When the, within the vial is a liquid for two doses. Each has the effect of raising your magic score by one point, allowing you the energy to use one extra spell. You may take this potion with you to use after using any spell. When you drink the potion, you need not cross that spell off your list. Remember that this potion will only work twice. Now you might, oh, that's a really tough one. I think we take the copper key and the jar. We go gold, yeah, copper key jar. Let's take those. I think we head for the Citadel now. We know what the password is. Let's do it. So, uh, two, four, five. 
Here we go. You set off towards the citadel. Although the night air is calm, you hear a faint whistling, which rapidly gets louder and louder until the strongest of wind suddenly hits you with a force that you can barely move against it. You shield your eyes until the blast retreats slightly, and as you open them, you see the ghostly female face inside what appears to be a living whirlwind. She mouths words at you which you cannot make out, but some seconds after she has finished talking, the message reaches you. She seems to find your appearance offensive, and has challenged you with words of abuse. You grab at your sword, but she laughs. You ignore her and continue. Talk to her, or use your magic to see her off. I think maybe we try and talk to her? Talking's not always bad, right? Let's try and have a chat with the whirlwind lady, um, who looks like she's... In the picture, it looks a bit like she's a lady wrapped up in spaghetti. <laughs> Uh, right, 390. She begins to torment you, blowing you to your feet each time you rise. Test your luck. If you're lucky... Ooh, okay, so we've got to test my luck. Uh, so roll two, if we get under ten, which, yes, we did. So that uses a luck, we've got six, so that's all nine now. So we, we passed it, we were lucky. You try a simple ploy to get rid of her, hoping that she's not too intelligent. Looking into the shadows, you claim to see another similar creature. She claims you are mistaken, but you are convincing. She nips off to investigate, allowing you to rush to the citadel entrance. In front of you is a large wooden door, firmly locked. You may have a knock three times for the guard, or maybe use your strength spell to try and open it. I think we knock. Let's knock. I'm, I don't want to use my strength spell quite so early. That might come in handy. The door opens and a large, brutish creature steps forward. Steps out, rather. It has a sharp horn in the middle of its forehead. Then its skin appears to be armour-plated. It grunts to ask you what you want and demands the password before letting you in. Do you know the password? If so, turn to 273. If not, to bluff your way in. I know the password, baby. Let's do this. Uh, he is a rhino man with a spear. And he looks freaking cool. Is the password scimitar, Ganges, or Kraken? We know it's scimitar 371. The creature grunts and opens the door to let you in. Yeah, we did it. 177. You're in a narrow hallway. This continues for several meters and ends in a doorway. Halfway along the passage, you can see an archway where some steps lead downwards. Will you go forward to the door or creep down the stairs? I'd like to go in... I'd like to open doors. Let's go open a door. We're not... Yeah, let's open a door. Page five. You try the handle of the door, and it turns, opening into another hallway. Some distance along the passageway turns to the right, and ends shortly in another door. On this door is a sign which reads, Please ring for butler. A rope, evidently a bell, hangs by the door. Will you ring as instructed, or try and turn the door handle? I mean, let's ring. Let's ring that bell. After several moments, the door slowly opens, and a hunchbacked, misshapen creature with rotting teeth, ragged hair, and tattered clothes stands in front of you. Yes, sir? <laughs> what can I do for you? I mean, I imagine that's kind of... That sounds like a voice in my head. Growls. Okay, that was a growl rather than a... <laughs> the half-human creature. No, that's a bit too much. Like uh, Anyway, I am expected, <laughs> you reply, and walk past him through the door with confidence. He's a little bewildered by your manner and stammers, not knowing whether to challenge you or not. Which way is the reception room, you demand? He squints at you through one eye and motions towards the left fork in the passage, passageway a short distance ahead. Will you believe him and take the left fork, or do you just trust this shifty creature and take the right? I mean, he's got no reason to lie to me. I'm yeah, confidence... Just, just do it. The passage runs along for several metres and then ends in a door. You listen at the door and can hear deep, heavy breathing coming from inside as if some large creature were asleep in there. Cautiously, you try the handle and the door opens. Just inside, although the room is dark, you can see a large goblin-like creature asleep on the floor. You may either risk tiptoeing into the room 
May we return to the forward from the right-hand passage? Let's tip. Tippity-toe. Let's tip, tip, toe. Three-five-toe. 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 <laughs> uh, you tiptoe into the room. The room is gloomy and the air is damp. A crude wooden post is nailed to one wall with several hooks in it. There are two doors on the far wall leading onwards. On the post hanging on the wall is a makeshift mirror, but as your torch lights up the mirror, its reflection is thrown across the eyes of the sleeping giant, who grunts and stirs. One eye open, and then another, seeing you, it springs to its feet, grabs an axe, which it was using as a pillow, and quickly undoes a leather sheath, revealing a sharp bronze head. This giant creature is Gark, a large, brutish... Large and brutish Garks are half-goblin, half-giant, bred by master sorcerers for their aggressive character. Although somewhat stupid, they are rather tough beasts with a warlike nature. Will you make a dash for the doors? Draw your sword ready to fight. Apologise for disturbing the creature or prepare to use a spell. Right, so, quickly have a quick spell. Do we have a spell that's like, go to Friggy and sleep? No. No, we do not. I think that we should just apologise. I think sorry can get you out of many a situation. There's a simple sorry. What will your approach be? You may tell the creature that you're a guest. Or try to bribe Gark. Uh, but I have to we don't have any gold. Or we could use the fool's gold spell to do it that way. I think we just say we're a guest. I think we stick with the whole we're a guest. The guy told us that way because we said we're a guest. Let's guest it up. I don't think a Gark is going to be bribed either way. So, 294. Gark straightens up, lowers his axe, and begins apologising to you for being asleep at its post. At its insistence, you agree not to tell anyone. The creature offers to take your tunic, but you decline and offer to press onwards. Turn to 99. There we go. See, I'm telling you, this is going well so far. Will you take the left-hand door ooh, or the right-hand door? It's a tough choice. I don't know. I like the idea of going left. Just, when in doubt, go left. The door opens and you stride onward, slamming it shut behind you. I mean, that's unnecessary. A short distance ahead, you reach a three-way junction where you take the northward passage. This continues for several metres, leading to another door. You can hear laughing and merriment on the other side. Cautiously, you open the door into a large room where a party of a dozen or so creatures of all shapes and sizes and colours are playing games. As you step into the room, you sh- a voice shouts, Look, that must be Glasdol's foot. Whereupon, they all welcome you, inviting you to join the fun. Evidently, they are expecting someone and have mistaken you for their missing guest. Perfect. I knew this would work out. I drink some more tea. We've got a decision to make. Oh, it's good tea. Um, will you play along and join them? Turn to da-da-da. Or will you tell them you're they are mistaken trying to make your way over to the door on the other side? I think we go along being a guest. I can't see that going too badly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's 385 it. Let's be a guest. 385, 385. They clap you on the back and welcome you in. A dark-skinned, wiry creature thrusts a mug of grog in your hand. You drink the ale, down in one. Another mug comes. Add two stamina points. As the ale is quite refreshing. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah we've covered some stamina. They invite you to join their games. What will I play? Knifey knife, runestones, or six pick? Knifey knife sounds dangerous. Like we're going to stab ourselves in the hand. Uh, like, it sounds like, you know, five-figure filler, and it still sounds bad. Runestones, maybe, I'm, I'm gonna go with six-pick. I feel like six-pick could be interesting. Actually, you know what? No. Let's go runestones. Let's go runestones, actually. Oh, great. Runestones is a somewhat dangerous game. <laughs> but the prices are high. I mean, that's good. Before the game begins, your game master, 
who is an apprentice sorcerer, casts a spell on a rock, which will cause it to explode some time later. And this was not what I was expecting. The player stands in a circle and toss the rock from one another around the circle when the rock explodes the player holding it. The player holding it is out of the game and winds up with badly burnt hands. I bet they do. The remaining players are given another rune stone to toss around. The game continues as only one player left. Onlookers bet on the players, but before they can bet, they must contribute three gold pieces each to the prize money. In this game, you stand to win 36 gold pieces at the risk of injuring your hands. Having chosen this option, you must play the game at least once, but you may continue to play for as long as you like. If you win, you will claim 36 gold pieces for each time you play. If you lose, you must deduct two skills and four stamina points for each game. <laughs> okay. The game is played like this. Roll one dice, one dice to see how many players will join you. Give each player letters A to whatever. This is a, a lot. Okay. Three. So we three of us. Three players will join us. So we've got A, B, C, and D. Okay. Then throw another die for each player to see who starts with the stone. B starts with the stone. Throw two dice to the starting player who must throw less than 12. Oh, and there's the two. So they're all four. Then the next person has to roll less than 11. Move to the third player. So on and so on. Your opponent will let a letter around the circle to keep track of who has the rune stone. As soon as one player throws a higher than the target number, the stone explodes and that player is out. This sounds awful. Then start the whole thing again until the game without the loser. Keep going until one player remains. If any player throws the same as the target number, the stone explodes in midair and you must repeat the round. Good grief. Okay. So, right. So, B is fine, C is fine, uh, D rolled 10, so we've got to get, i got to get less than 9, I got 7, got to get less than 8, got 4, got to get less than that. So, C explodes, boom. Uh, and then, so who's starting with it now? Uh, it is me. A is starting with it this time, okay. So, A has to get less than 10, which is fine. Uh, B's got to get less than 11, get 6. D has to get less than 10, got 7. I will get a less than 10? I got 7, I think 6 anyway. B blows itself up with 11, so B's out. It's just me and D now, so let's see. I start with it again. That's jammy. Uh, okay. I might actually win this. Might win 36 gold. Uh, so I got 12, so that's fine. Ooh, D got 2, so I've got to get less than 11, than 10 rather. Got three, less than nine, got six, less than eight, got seven, less than seven, got five, less than six, got four, less than five, got six. D is out. I can't believe I won that. That's incredible. So I got I get thirty six gold pieces. That seemed incredibly unlikely, but there you go. Such is life. Um, let's go with six pick now, shall we? Let's have another go at a game. Why not? One, seven, one. I want to win something, you know, tangible. For this game, at least one gold piece. I have 36 of those now. You may use the fool's gold spell, blah, 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 blah. Choose any number you wish between one and six. Take any number of your gold pieces on each one. Write your selection down, then roll one dice. If the number you rolled is one of your choices, you win, you win five times the stake. You replace that number. You may continue as long as you like. I mean, let's do it once. Let's say we're going to roll a four. One down on it. We didn't. We roll a one. So, but I've got 35 gold pieces. That's a bad game. 
<laughs> Boys play the game, 10 to 31. There we are. I mean, none of those have good games, in fairness. You leave the games room through the door at the far end of the room, which opens into a short passageway, ending in a large wooden door. The handle on this door turns, letting you into a large chamber, 169. The room you're in is a sort of grand dining hall. A long table, large enough to seat some 40, 50 people, stands in the centre, edged with chairs. Various doors and passageways lead from the room, but you are particularly interested in two wide staircases which lead upwards to either end of the balcony, overlooking the hall. Paintings and suits of armour decorate the walls. The room is empty. Well, I go left staircase, right staircase, look at some paintings, or investigate the suits of armour. I'm going to have a little look at the suits of armour. I'm not that fussed on the paintings. I feel like whatever's Trev's, let's have a look at some armour. Armour could give me something useful. The suits of armour are a variety of shapes and sizes, and you shiver to think of the strange creatures they must have been made for. Perhaps you may yet have come across some of them. Probably, yeah, that's a good point. As you examine one particularly grand suit, its hand suddenly rises up and whacks you across the face. You stagger back, spitting blood and lose two stamina points. Great. So I'm back on 20. But the armour makes no further move, and you decide it may be prudent to continue upstairs, either to the left or to the right. I mean, let's continue our let's turn left thing. Eventually we'll go round and in a circle. No, we won't. The staircase creaks as your foot falls onto it. You try to ascend as quietly as possible, but the old timbers groan under your weight. Suddenly, one of the stairs clicks as if to trigger a switch of some kind. To your surprise, all of the stairs flick downward, and you are now standing on a smooth, steep slope. Try as you might, you cannot keep your balance and fall down the slope, tumbling head over heels. If you wish to use a levitation spell, you may fly up out of danger to land on the balcony above. Let's do it. Let's levit. Let's levitation. I might levitation might come in handy, so I'm going to use one of my part of my jar. So I've used uh, it's got two uses. Now it's got one use. So levitation does not get used up. Turn to three six three. Three six three, baby. Three six three. Let's do this. Okay. On the balcony are three doors: left, center, or right. When we go center, we just go plow straight forward. Let's do that. Sixty four. You listen at the door and hear squeaky voices laughing and squabbling. You try the handle and the door opens. Inside is a brightly coloured room with a few small beds in one corner. And strewn about the floor are various small mannequins of small brutish creatures. Along the right hand wall is a large box. Just beyond the box is a door. In the centre of the floor, looking at you quizzically, are three small creatures. They are human-like, but have green skin, pointed ears and slit-like eyes. What will my approach be? I'm not going to fight them. They're probably just kids. And actually, you know, from the picture, they, said they have bunk beds and they have toys. That I'm not going to kill them. That seems cruel. I don't think I've got anything in my pack to give them. I've got a key and a jar and some money. I can just walk confidently across. Confidence is key. Let's just let's just bolt for the door. Three six six. You stride past them. The little creatures watch you silently. They merely seem to find you interesting. You feel that something is not quite right here. That is a good point. Something is not quite right here. Turn to 140. You leave the room and head down a short corridor. Some metres down, you find yourself at the foot of a staircase. This is a spiral staircase, which leads right up into the Citadel Tower. You climb the stairs cautiously and eventually arrive on a small landing with two doors in front of you. Will you take the left-hand door or the right-hand door? We're going to go left, because we do lefts. Uh, The door opens, allowing you into a large circular room. You scratch your head quizzically. 
In the centre of the room is, is a small island, surrounded by a wide trench, on which stands a chest locked with a metal fastening. The trench is too wide to jump and is very deep. Just inside the door is a length of rope. The door leads from the room to the opposite door you came through. Will you ignore the box, walk around the trench to the side, cast a strength spell to leap across the trench, pick up the rope and form it a plan? I think we do the, we pick up the rope and form it a plan because we use a strength spell to jump into the middle. Then how are we going to get from the middle anywhere else? I think we rope it. We need to use the rope. Two, three, nine. <clears throat> An idea strikes you. You tie the rope into a loop with a slip knot on the end. Whirling the rope around your head, you snare the chest. After several throws, your loop goes over the chest and the slip knot tightens around it. You pull and the chest shifts. You pull once and it falls over the edge down to the trench, but to your dismay, the weight of the box is enormous and it pulls you right over with it. If you have a levitation spell, you can use it. <laughs> I knew that would come in helpful. And turn to three, seven, nine. Yes, let's use the levitation spell and let's actually keep it around again because I feel like it's going to be really useful. That's our, we've drunk all of the jar. It's all drunk. Maybe the actual jar itself will be useful, but again, 379. You release the rope and float into the air, dropping back onto the ground on the rim of the trench. You curse at the fiendish trap which has been laid for greedy adventurers like yourself and move on to the opposite door, the door opposite the entrance, and you try the handle, 206. Damn. Yeah, well, you lead through the door and find yourself at the foot of a spiral staircase leading into the Black Tower. Climbing the stairs, you eventually come to a landing where a single door is the only way onwards. You try the door and it opens slowly. Turn to 182. You suddenly feel yourself sucked into the room as if by magic. Your torch flickers and dies. The room is pitch black. From nowhere, yet everywhere, comes a mocking laugh which fills the room. Foolish adventurer, says another voice, which changes its tone from high to low as it speaks. That's not what I did. Well, welcome to the home of the Ganges. That's such a weird way of talking. Unfortunately, it will be the last room you will ever see. Ah, but of course... You cannot see, can you? But we can see you, can't we, brothers? And laughing voices come from all around you. Suddenly, a ghostly white, luminous face flies towards you. You recoil in horror, throwing yourself to the ground. You begin to feel very frightened. Lose one skill, two stamina, and one luck. That's not great. I could cast a fire spell. Let's fire spell it. Yeah, let's cast a fire spell. We don't have illusion anymore. I don't think we've got anything in our map that's helpful. And I think fighting is going to be rubbish. So yeah, fire. 85. 85. Fire. 85. 85. Yeah, I, I see. I know that thing. You cast your spell and wait for a fireball to appear at the end of your torch. The torch flickers just enough you see there's a door at the far end of the room, but then it goes out again. The Ganges laugh once more at your efforts to thwart them. You feel a blow to your head which knocks you to the ground. Lose two stamina points. We're on 16. We are dying in here, folks. The illusion spell is not going to help because I don't have it. There's nothing in my backpack that's going to be useful. We need, we need to fight. 248. Rubbish. I really thought Fireball would do something. A silence spreads over the room. Suddenly, a bud-curdling scream from one corner and a hideous face appears in the air, shooting towards you, screaming as it comes. Your hand stands on the end. Your hair stands on end and your legs turn to jelly. Somehow you manage to reach the door fling it open and race through. However, you've forgotten that you are high in a tower and a balcony has no rails. You'll tumble over the ledge and fall down. If you have the levitation spell, which I do, baby, 
you can turn to one or three, otherwise you land on a crumbled heap at the base of the tower, and your <laughs> broken body breathes its last breath. So die or have the levitation spell. It's a good thing we saved that levitation spell, but it is now unfortunately completely used. You cast your spell, but nothing happens! You fall down, down from the tower, and finally land with a fatal crash on the floor below. The fearsome creatures have robbed you of your magic, and now your life, you've failed your mission. That is ridiculously, I, that was a lose-lose. <laughs> For how long was that a lose-lose? I don't know, but that's frustrating. Well, I suppose that's where our adventure ends. I don't feel like I did very well. Yeah, not very well at all. Anyway, it was a shorter talk through than last one because we died. However, we had some good times, you know? We did some gambling. We we we, we beat up some folks. We, we got a jar. We used some spells. I think that'll do it. Thank you very much for listening to this incredibly shorter, somewhat disappointing adventure through uh, a choose-your-own-adventure fighting fantasy book from Steve Jackson. I have been Nevada Drew, and we are Bits and Pieces. We are a video games and board games and other games website and YouTube channel. I suppose that's the thing. Now, we do have videos on a YouTube channel, um, which you can find us over at bitsandpieces.games or follow us on Twitter at bitsplus or Instagram at thosebitsandpieces. If you want to find me specifically, I am at Nevada Drew on Twitter. And yeah, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.